Hello, this is uh, Chuck at Lazarus Recovery, and this is episode five. And I'm going to shift gears a little bit, and I'm going to talk. Last time I was really actually talking uh, to the recovery people, and um, now I'm going to I'm going to try to talk to the uh, the faith people from the recoveries, the point of view of recovery. Um, and what I like to do is uh, I think that recovery people, if they had a chance to talk to people of faith, would, you know, try to explain, try to, you know, help you understand, and probably argue. And, and that's sort of what I'm going to do. You know, so understand that I'm not taking the position. It's just that I've been in both worlds, and I'm going to talk recovery to faith people. You know, before I was basically talking, you know, Jesus stuff to recovery people. Now I'm going to be talking recovery, recovery to faith people and trying to help you understand. It's not going to be a plan thing. I'll have people in that do plan stuff. This is just me talking like a recovery person to church people. I think I'm going to start with a conversation I had with a friend. He'll remain anonymous. Eventually, you'll probably hear from him. Um, I'll have him on the show. You know, we got into a conversation, and um, and he had to unload. Um, because he knows I've been this Jesus guy from as long as he knew me. I got, I got saved, uh, you know, in a Christian sense, about two years into my sobriety. And I was a pain in the neck. Um, it, was a, it, was, it was about the time the first Jesus of Nazareth came out. So that dates me quite a bit. This would be in 19, probably two years, 76. And, and I had a Jesus experience. And, um, you know, so... I, I talked a lot about it. So we've, we've known each other for a long, long time. But only recently, you know, I explained what I was doing. And um, he knows I, I teach at Celebrate Recovery. And he sort of trusts me and he knows that, um, you know, I'm not going to shoot him dead. And he, he told me a story. And, you know, I want you faith people to listen to this story. Um, I don't know whether he'll ever tell it in purpose person, but he explained it. He's, he has his regular meetings that he goes to. I don't know whether this is his home group or pretty close to his home group. In other words, he was well-known there. And, it, hey, he's well-known. He's, you know, I forget he's 47 years sober like me, so he's an old-timer. You know, he's got cred there. And, um, and you know, they were starting to get people coming from Celebrate Recovery to the AA meetings. But they didn't exactly come for the meeting. This was like uh, carrying the message to the savages. You know, now, I know you'd never do something like that. You know, I know you'd respect everybody. But these people came to the meeting and in the process of the meeting 
at the end or the beginning or something like that, they unloaded a, a, a pile of Celebrate Recovery literature on, you know, they do, they have a literature table just like Celebrate Recovery has. And, um, and they loaded some of their stuff on table. And the funny thing is, I'm talking to you church people, and I know that 85% of you see nothing wrong with that. You know, I mean, after all, you know, if missionaries come to the, 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 the heathens, you know, they're going to leave literature and they're going to leave stuff because they're obviously lost, and you're doing them a favor by leaving the literature. You can tell me you wouldn't, but I, I don't believe you. Um, I don't believe you a minute. You know, and what I'm trying to get is the attitude really reeks. And I'm a Christian. I believe in your message. But your attitude just absolutely reeks. Because, you know, if, if, if AA came and left literature for their AA meetings, um, you know, not meetings that were held in a ch- your church, but generally speaking, they, they, were, they came in and actively tried to recruit members from your church. You guys would have a bird. We would have a bird. We'd, we'd just go completely nonlinear because the heathens are leaving a message, you know, um, because they're leaving a heathen message, right? Well, you, maybe you should think about what they're leaving and what you're leaving. From their perspective, they're doing what their program says, you know, leaving hope to addicts and drunks who still suffer. Now, let's say, you'd say, well, we don't have any of those. Really? You don't have active alcoholics and active addicts in your church? In your dreams. You know, um, why do you think you have CR sometimes in your churches? You know, you probably would get in trouble, pastor would get in trouble if he said, well, I'm sending the drunks and the addicts to CR and, and, and NA. He get in trouble with his board and 15 people, a million people in the church. How can you send those people to such a heathen place? After all, we have the, why should they go to re- spiritual things there when they can go to our church? And what exactly? You know, you, you think you're carrying a perfect message? I, I've been there, done that, got the T-shirt, and it doesn't sound that way um, in practice. You know, you, you, you got to sort of look at yourself before you decide whether your message is worth transmitting. So that, from a recovery point of view, from my friend's point of view, he was just PO'd. He was all upset. Because the arrogance of it and the ignorance of it and the stupidity of it was, even for me, a Christian who understands the, the species, it was, oh God, yeah, 
I can see how it happens, but it's not cool. And I think that's what, what I'm saying, and it, I'm back and forth. You know, tonight I'm talking to, you know, religious people, faith people, from a recovery point of view. Now, let me explain something to you. You know, the, the high point of the hill for recovery people is staying sober and not dying. You know, I understand from your point of view, the high ground is getting saved and not going to hell. And yeah, I, I can see, okay, mine is bigger than yours. But, you know, from a point of view, you've got to understand who you're, who, you're, who you're talking to. And my experience is that, you know, faith people automatically assume that they're on a high ground and that they don't have to learn anything from anybody. And it tells. Trust me, it tells. You know, and I've, I've, I lived almost exclusively in the faith community for 40 years of my sobriety. And in some areas, I'm not better off. Um, because, you know, by definition, faith communities, you know, aspire and consider themselves on the high plane and are a little short on self-reflection, you know, because they don't know. Do you think that your pastors tell you everything that happened in the church? Not really. Do you tell the church everything's happening in your house? Do you tell your fellow worshipers what's going on in your church, what's going on in your family, what your kids are doing, you know? Do you tell the community of faith, all of them, you know, your struggles? You share prayer requests. You share victories. But you rarely, for reasons I understand, don't publish the real stuff. Now, neither do the pastors broadcast the church the real stuff. The boards don't tell each other what's going on. You know, the secretaries and the treasurers of the church don't tell the church what's going on. You know, in, in a lot of situations. You know, a lot of times they don't consider it news. And other times it's just like, for the good of the ministry, we're not going to tell these things. You know, you think that recovery people don't know that? News for you is the wreckage from your ministries ends up in recovery, recovery places. And they don't go to another church all the time. They bring their wreckage to NA and AA and, you know, and struggle to even think about, you know, higher power as I understand them. Because the higher power that they do understand was not too good. 
And you don't know whether the higher power that they learned about Jesus or something like that wasn't your church. Because most of the time, these people just leave quietly, you know, which is sort of the purpose. You know, they are encouraged to be quiet. You tell me it's not so. I've been in church a long time. And, you know, it's embedded in your your church DNA is not to talk about things because you're upsetting the flock. I get that. But you got to understand all those people that don't talk and upset the flock. <laughs> they go to NA and they go to AA and they go to AOA and they go to all the recovery programs and they just dump this stuff all over everything just to try to make peace with it. All the dirty linen of your church, which you're trying to hide, has to get dumped someplace so these people can get better and live a life. You know, you forget that you can't seal up the church and protect its its reputation because all the broken people have to go someplace and try to make, put a life together. You know, and the thing you forget is, is that while you're trying to carry the message to the heathens, you're carrying your reputation to the people. And, and it's a, a message that they don't understand because their sobriety depends on them being just open and honest with the people that are around them. A lot of times the church reputation depends on how careful they are with image management. I mean, we can't hurt Jesus's, Jesus's reputation, which translated, translated is we can't hurt the church's reputation. You know, which is, you know, I don't know whether the Lord is particularly pleased with that. But you have to understand that I'm not dissing you. I'm not dissing you at all. You know, uh, Jesus is in your midst. You know, but unfortunately, a lot of times you forget he's in your midst. You forget who's there. You forget who's listening. You forget who's trying to get his message across. It's hard. It's really hard when you forget that Jesus is in the house. And churches, <laughs> I've been in churches a long time. Churches forget that a lot. You know, they're more interested in getting their voice across and his voice across. You know, it's very human, but it's, uh, it's tragic. You know, so I don't think you can get off too high on the horse with recovery people because they they say you know God as I understand him because seriously do you understand the God that you're serving I don't think so I don't think so you know I don't think you understand exactly who you're serving you know what happens 
what would happen? I often think, what would happen if you come into a, come into a service um, on a Sunday morning and, um, you know, the, the, the music people get up and do their thing and then they sit down and you look around, where's the pastor? Where's the assistant pastor? What, what, where, where, where is it? And people start craning their necks and looking and buzzing and doing a bunch of stuff. And where, where is he? You know, and then a guy gets up. He walks down the center aisle. And he's, you know, he's not disreputably dressed. But depending on your church thing, he's not dressed the way the pastor dresses. You know, in some some semi mainline churches, you know, they they have a they, they wear robes and colors and stuff like that. My dad was a pastor, and he 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 likes simple vestments. Other places like you know rainbow vestments or this or that to make statements. But this guy's not necessarily wearing anything at all. I mean, he's wearing clothes, just a simple, simple clothes. He gets up, and he walks up. He walks up like he owns the place, and you can't figure that at all. Um, and he gets up, and he takes the pulpit, and he says, So, where are we here? And you're saying, what good? Did, why does this guy have the right to say anything. And then all of a sudden you realize, uh-oh, he has all the right. I mean, he's not special. He doesn't look special particularly. But then all of a sudden everybody by some sort of thing understands exactly who he is. And he talks to him like he owns the place. And he talks to him about stuff. And all of a sudden, things are not the same. You know, all of a sudden, all the stuff you say is not important. Because the man is in the house. You know, what happens if the man is in the house? I mean, what happens if... You know, the your interpretation of the word is not what rules. It's his example of the word that rules on the day. And all of a sudden, he's like saying, here I am, and there you are. What do you think I should do? You know. And then he just stands there and looks at the congregation. And everybody is extremely uncomfortable because they know, the look knows. They know that it's not the pastor anymore who will take a line or is worried about what we think it's not about anything. It's simply about 
the master's there and his look knows and somehow we got to figure out you know where we are in relation to what he is not you know how can we impress our fellow people what is that you know what 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 are you going to do with that you know um I think that the churches could use a little bit of that often so that their head is, is more concerned about what the master wants than what they want. You know, it's not about how am I getting served in the church, but how am I serving the Lord and how is my, my church serving the Lord? That's a pivotal change of attitude, you know. You know, it's less about where the people are coming from and less about are they like us and more about are we like the Savior we serve. You know, it's not if they're different from us. Are we like the Savior we serve? You know, and that's just a, a, that's, that's unfair because we all know we aren't like the Savior we serve. You know, that's, that's tough. And I think the Lord knows that. But every once in a while, he has to try to remind us that it's not about what they are. It's about what we are in relationship to the Lord himself. You know, and I think that that's, that's something that, in, at the junction of faith and recovery, the only reality that we have to sell is by some miraculous grace, the Spirit gives us the ability to look and smell and taste like Jesus. And that's not something we do. That's not something we ch- choose to do. That's something that we get from being close to him that's something we get by you know walking in the spirit so that his spirit comes out of us instead of our foolishness you know and I guess that's what I'm saying to the church I don't care whether I'm talking to a Methodist church you know who is who is currently buried and buried in a bunch of stuff you know you know sort of new emergent church stuff you know I get the flags I get the thing I get all that stuff you know but you gotta ask what does the Jesus think about all this you say well he thinks great we're just inclusive and wonderful and everything like that and the problem with it is he was a bible scholar too and he was really 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 into his daddy's word so you gotta you gotta parse that in too. I get the being compassionate and stuff like that, but he loved his daddy's word. Then you're like, okay, so do we love his daddy's word? Oops. You know, there's a whole bunch of things. Pentecost, you know, hardcore on the Bible, but you know, a little, you know, just. <laughs> The Lord's got to come in there and, you know, he had things to say about people that were too rigid, 
you know i mean you know he was a he, he was not easy on the church white wall suckers and all that stuff i mean he you know he didn't spare them and they didn't spare him they they knew their politics and they they did the politics and they got him killed you know and then they tried to cover it up when he rose from the dead you say well that's not our church uh, the seeds of that are all through the church so we have to be careful that we're not we're not crucifying the lord and holding on to stuff you know you know are we listening to the word or using the word as a club you know there's a lot for us to think about you know and that's what i want to do i want to want the church to think a little bit not about the politics you guys are just the church is so so uh infected you know in politics it's like the the stuff runs out the doors of the church and the funny thing is you think it's great but everybody out there in recovery and even beyond goes oh my god what is wrong with them you know maybe you ought to check your whole cards a little bit you know ask jesus about it you know uh does jesus do a side gig on fox i don't think so you know you know does jesus do a side gig on with rachel maddow i don't think so either but you know i'm sure he'd come on if he was asked you know and i'm sure that they they'd be different after he came on you know you know the church can be proud you know the living christ lives in your services might not recognize him might not encourage him might not agree with him but where two or more are gathered together he is in the midst um that's good news and it's bad news it's good news because he's there it's bad news because he is the lord of that place and eventually we got to answer about what we did when he was there you know the church is a custodian of his presence you know but we got to recognize his presence presence and be obedient to his presence the question is are you obedient to his presence when he's there you know and another thing the final thing is it's it's hard to believe for faith people but recovery people have an ear and a nose for spiritual reality they know the goods when they see it and they know the phony when they see it it's like they have radar if it's real and it's the spirit and it's real and they they, they can sense it they're like they're like thirsty men in the desert they'll go to the water you know um religious people are sort of dead to the dead to it and they 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 don't pick up the real they pick up the exciting 
you know, the, the people that you're, quote, trying to reach, bringing your, 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 your materials, you know, into an A meeting or an NA meeting, spiritually they might be a lot more in tune than you think. You know, and, you know, sometimes they smell a rat and they get the pooper scooper out when you, when you leave. You know, they might be wrong and they might be angry and they might be prejudiced. But a lot of t- times they know exactly what they smell. They smell hypocrisy. They, they smell arrogance, you know, and the people in AA, NA, and all the other things, they're used to people thinking they're garbage. You know, you got to understand that. And they, they can sense people who are arrogant and full of themselves. And they just don't want anything to do with it because they've been there, done that, got the t-shirt. They just don't want to deal with it. You know, so they say, like my friend, get upset. You know, my friend knows a thing or two. He's sober, what do we say, you know, 47 years, I forget. Um, You know, I mean, does he have faith like I have faith? His faith is different. But, you know, it's, you know, I'm not going to go to Jesus and say his faith is less than my faith, you know, because that's stupid. You know, I'm no fool when it comes to Jesus. You know, I don't have any say in what he says. I follow, and I try to follow carefully. But he said, judge not lest you be judged. And, you know, if you're a reasonable human being, sober, saved, or whatever, you you just don't want you know, to, to be subject to the consequences of your own judgments because we can't guarantee. You, you don't want to be judged by your judgments, you know, so you got to tamp it down, strangle yourself, and keep your mouth shut, you know. And um, so what I didn't talk to the church about recovery, don't judge them. Because their goods might be better than your goods. You know, you say, that's impossible. I know Jesus. Um, you know, I don't want to tell you anything, but some fruit on the, the Jesus vine is a little bit on the crappy side. You know, on the Old Testament, they basically rooted up the tree and threw it in the fire. You know, God has done that. He just takes it all up and throws it in the fire. You know. So we say, well, Jesus has covered that. Okay, good. But they did say something about, you know, testing, in the end, testing the works and see if they survive or whether they're burnt in the fire. It's not too good to think that, you know, the people that take and throw, you know, that get upset, you know, um, or go in and put their materials on an AA table, that that they're going to get their they're going to get you know slow roasted over a over a grill to see whether that things preserve. That's not too good because what they're doing when they bring their material in a day meeting 
is judging before everybody to say, see, that our stuff is better than your stuff. How do you know? I mean, my friend knows the Lord, and he's been sober 47 years. How do you know that your, your, your faith is better than his faith? You know, um, and I agree with him. I'm 40 years, 47 years sober, and I'm saved, baptized in the Holy Ghost, blah, 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 blah. And I find it absolutely offensive and just disrespectful for somebody to do something like bring their materials into an AA meeting and put them on a table trying to, it's just, it's offensive. It's, it's like, you know, I would have probably had been able to go up to them and just tell them to t- take a hike. You know, I'm part of the family. You know, as a family member of their their family, I'd go up and tell them, seriously, here it is. Take a hike. Don't come back. You know, and that's that's it. And then you want to know why? You know, here's my phone number. Call me, and I'll come to your church and explain why that was stupid. You know, what I'm trying to say is talking to church people about recovery people you have no right to judge them because they're succeeding in something that some of your people are dying from you have no right you know and they're not doing it with mumbo jumbo and occult stuff they're god is helping them god is taking care of them jesus is helping them who are you to say that jesus work is less because they're doing it in AA. You can't, and you're just in a bad position altogether. And what I want to say is, I love you to pieces. You know, I love you to pieces. The church has been a precious thing for me, and I've, I've got, what I got like uh, 41 years of sobriety in the church. So it works. I found Jesus there, but Jesus did it. So... You know, put a little bit of humility on, and when you approach recovery people, you know, for God's sakes, remember that Jesus is watching and right at your shoulder. Because I got news for you. He loves the brokenhearted. And what did he say about if you do anything to hamper those people coming to him? What was it? I, what, you know. Can I, can I hear you say? Can I hear you say? It was something about millstones and sea and... Oh, yeah. Yeah. So if you put anything in the way of the people in recovery to finding him and finding life in him, oh, yeah, millstones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I, we got it, millstones. So, you know... um, the church is rich in Jesus, you know, you know, love on people in recovery, be patient with people in recovery, but God's sakes, don't judge them, you know, because, you know, trust me, the church has nothing to be proud of. It has all the recovery things that those people are dealing with and more, and there's a lot of them that die in their addictions and are active in church. So, you know, that's that's my thing. You know, 
you know, that's an encouragement recovery people, and it's a, it's a bit of a rebuke to church people. But you have Jesus, you're golden. You just need to grow up. So, you know, it's not that I don't love you. It's just that you need, you need the word taught to you. So this is Chuck at Last Recovery Podcast at the junction of faith and recovery. And to the recovery people, don't drink and go to a meeting. To the, the church people, he has risen and you're risen with him. Thank you much. Have a good night.